We are taking a break again from our series through the book of Proverbs, and so if this is your first Sunday with us, this is a great Sunday to be here, um, but also may want to come back because we've been walking through the book of Proverbs, which is God's practical wisdom for how we should live our lives, amen? God has actually much to say about how we raise our children, how we spend our money, how we deal with anger, sorrow, and sadness, and so the book of Proverbs is a phenomenal book to just walk through God's practical, applied wisdom to our daily lives, so please join us. Um, next week as we'll be continuing that series through the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about living forward, living forward. Um, If you do not have a Bible, just simply throw your hands up and one of our ushers will bring you one. Um, If you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Please write your name in it, take it home. That's yours. If you do, just have your Bible in the car. Just please leave it in your seat and we'll pick it up. When I was a little bit younger, um, come on now, (laughs) all the old folks like, come on now. Um, when I was a little bit younger, um, I was anti-resolutions, right? I was like, why make New Year's resolutions? If you feel like it's the right thing, just do the right thing, right? Don't start on January 1, start right now. Um, the problem is time starts to speed up. Y'all start to feel that a little bit? Where time begins to, you felt that too? Amen. Amen. He's a man on the move right there. Time began to speed up where it felt like, you know, uh, uh, January became February, February became March, March became 2019, right? And 2019 has become 2020. And so as I've gotten a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I've realized the value of milestones, the value of of moments in our life where we get an opportunity to take inventory and take stock of where we are, where we're going, and what God has done. And so this is the last Sunday of 2019, and so many of you, like me, are making plans for the future. Maybe some of those plans were the exact same plans we plan to do this year that we're actually going to try again to do in 2020. Uh, For some of us, it's taking a step forward. For some of us, it's going to be a bold risk of faith. Maybe God's calling you to do something a little unusual, a little crazy, a little risky. For some of us, it's the grace to be faithful to what God called you to do again this year, to be faithful over the long term. And so today, I want to talk about what it means to live forward. And I have a singular goal today. And that goal is that we would be more spiritually ambitious for our future. Simply that. I'll unpack that in a moment. That My hope is that after today, we will be convicted to be more spiritually ambitious for our future, even for 2020. Turn with me to Proverbs, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3. I may do that seven more times today. Forgive me. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. And Philippians chapter 3 is a phenomenal chapter because um, Paul kind of digs into some people. Paul does his little flex um, about who, if you have much to brag on, I've got more to brag on. But the thrust of the beginning part of Philippians chapter 3 is the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, that we find our identity, our value, our pride, not in who we are, but in what Christ has done for us. And that's what we see in verses 1 through 11 in the beginning part. Um, Verse 4 of Philippians chapter 3 says, Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, this is Paul talking, I have more. So here's his flex from at verse 5. He says, Circumcised on the eighth day, the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, I was a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Blameless. 
Paul was saying, if anyone can look at themselves and find confidence in what they've done and their achievements, I'm one who can do that. From the best tribe, from the best people, from the best sect, and, by, and when it comes to obeying the law, which is the, our Old Testament, most some of it, I was blameless. If this wasn't in the Bible, I would think Paul was lying. Who can be blameless before the law? Paul says, I was blameless. And so if anyone should have confidence in the flesh, it is me. But then look at what he says next in verse 7. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. And here's where the shift is going to be. And here's where we're going to pick up the story. Paul is going to talk about how to live this new life in Christ, disregarding achievements, disregarding failures, disregarding anything that has come before Jesus Christ, and then living life forward. So today I want to encourage you, but before we get to that, we've got to talk about some of the barriers. Why are we less ambitious when it comes to our spiritual goals and our spiritual life? I think many of us have, have settled into complacency, have settled into comfort, not because we're bad people, not because we don't love the Lord, but because for many of us, we're living our lives backwards and not forwards. For many of us, the rearview mirror is the only mirror that we see. We've got a rehearsal running in our backgrounds of all the times we failed, all the times we've come short, all the times we've messed up, all the times we promised to do something and didn't, all the times we made resolutions and broke them. And because that is what is in front of our face, we're a little, we're a little shy this year. We're a little timid to dream what God can do through us. But Paul is going to speak to that in verses 12 through 17. The first barrier to living forwards is living backwards. Read with me verses 12 through 17. Paul still talking. He says, not that I have already achieved the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal it also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. What is Paul talking about here? Is Paul trying to get saved? Is that the goal to which he is chasing hard after? Do you think that's it? No, this is Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the greatest missionary the world has ever known. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about growth and maturity. He was once a persecutor of the church, believing it to be righteousness, was powerfully and radically converted by Jesus Christ, and then lived his whole life knowing that he was once a persecutor of the church. If you read his story, that's why Barnabas had to come with him to introduce him to the apostles, I believe, because they weren't going to meet with Paul one-on-one, because Paul was arresting Christians and dragging them off. But God powerfully and radically changed his life. Now he wants to live a different way, but look at what the barrier is not thinking that I've attained it, verse 12 says. I'm not perfect. The zeal that I'm running for doesn't mean perfection, but it means that I'm striving to live forward. But what's getting in the way? Forgetting what is behind, verse 13, and reaching forward to what is ahead. The first barrier to living forward in Christ, to being spiritually ambitious, 
is to stop living backwards. If I were to ask you, what are your five greatest mistakes in life? It would probably take us five seconds to think of that. Because it's probably on the tip of our tongue at the top of our mind. If I ask you to name your greatest achievement in life, you probably have to stop and think about that for a while. Why is that? Why is it that shame takes such a big place in our memories? Failures take such a big place in our thoughts. All the mistakes that we've made take such a big place in our hearts and our lives, yet what God has done seems to play second fiddle. There is something about us that seems to revel in our own misery. That's why shame is so hard to let go. That's why pain is so hard to let go. That's why the mistakes of our past are so hard to let go, and that's why it's hard to move forward. Let me make it real plain to y'all. Some of us are having children for the first time. Uh, many in this church are having children for the first time. And some of our parenting styles is not about moving forward to what God has called us to do. Some of our parenting styles is running away from what we grew up with. Can we talk about it? We can talk about it, right? Some of our parenting styles is a promise that we made to ourselves many years ago that I would never be like that. I would never do that. And so our whole life really isn't looking forward. Our whole life is running away from something rather than running towards something. Some of your careers are based on what you decided you would not do, not what God called you to do. Some of your relationships are based on that. Some of our decisions are based on what we're running away from and not what God has called us to run away to because the rearview mirror is the only mirror that we see. Paul is telling us, forget what has come before. How do we do that, y'all? I want to move on. I want to move forward. How do we forget what has come before when that seems to take such a hold on our lives? That pain is still real. When we see that person's face, something still rises up in us. When I think about that day, something still grabs a hold of me. And we feel stuck at times. Spiritually, we're reading the Bible, we're praying, we're trying to do all the right things, but we still feel stuck. So. Paul gives us some hope here in verse 14. It says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting phrase because you wonder, what's the prize? Let me break it. It's a longer explanation, but the, simply the prize is Jesus Christ himself. The prize is both found in Jesus and the prize is Jesus. That is what we are pursuing. That is who frees us from shame, sorrow, guilt, and worry. That's what helps us to move on and move forward is this new life that we've been given in Jesus. That's why it's called being born again, not rehab. That's why it's called being born again and not doing better. Because for some of us, I don't know about y'all, but for some of y'all, well, you just needed to wipe the slate clean and start over. Amen. Like, I don't need rehab. I just need to start all the way over. I need to be born again. That's why we call it the new life in Christ Jesus, because it means all the old has passed away and the new has come, and yet we don't believe it. The enemy comes to what? Steal and... Now, here's the caveat. Can the, can the enemy steal, kill, and destroy a Christian? No. He cannot. We didn't get you to. He can convince us to steal our own joy. 
He can convince us to kill the good things that we've planted. He can get us to destroy the good things around us by repeating the rhythms of life that we've had since we were before we were a believer. The victory has already been won in Jesus, so the devil doesn't have power over your life if you're a Christian. But he can convince you to do what he can't by rehearsing the shame, by rehearsing the sorrow, by rehearsing the mistakes and the mindsets of how you used to live before Jesus Christ. So before we can talk about resolutions, before we can talk about moving forward, you've got to take an honest inventory of why we are stuck in the rearview mirror. Why we are stuck reliving our lives backwards and not pressing on towards the mark. And if we're honest, most of our lives are running away from something rather than running towards what God has promised us. I was sharing with some brothers this week who were struggling with sin, wanting to do the right thing but feeling stuck in sin. I said, part of the problem might be you're running away from sin rather than running towards righteousness. You're so focused on not doing the wrong thing that you're actually not running towards the right thing. Y'all heard the old phrase that, you know, idle hands are the devil's play thing? There's something about being bored that just invites a little bit of trouble, don't it? Come on, I know y'all all all saved, sanctified folks. We can be honest. There's something about having too much time on your hands, too much room in your life, being all alone for too long that invites some trouble in our lives, doesn't it? So the goal isn't just, just to run away from sin. The goal is to fill your life with Jesus. It's hard to do wrong when your life is filled with doing the right thing. It's hard to be consumed with sin when your life is filled with reading the Word, meditating on the Word, being around God's people, worshiping and praying and fasting and serving and giving. It's hard to do the wrong thing when your life is filled with the right thing. Not impossible, but hard. But that's what it means to live forward and not just live backwards. We're not running away from sin. We're running towards righteousness, and there is a difference. We're not running away from how our parents used to raise us. We're running away to the model that we see in the Father God. We're not running away from the marriage that we saw in our parents that we promised ourselves we would never have. We're running towards the marriage lamb of the Christ of the Lamb. And that is our example. And so sometimes that means letting go. I'm spending a lot of time right here on this point, y'all, because this is where we're stuck at if we're honest. That past has got a hold on us. That past has got a grip on our lives, and so we even stop praying for God to deliver us because we've been praying for years and we're still here. We stop praying big prayers because we've been praying that for a long time. God has never come through, and we feel. And so our desires, even for our spiritual growth in life, have been hindered and hampered by what's come before. And I'm calling you today to be free. Therefore, let all of us who are mature Think this way. Which way? Verse 16 says, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. What does that mean? We should live up to whatever truth we have attained, verse 16 says. Here's something I feel personally convicted about all the time. Um, (laughs) If I just obeyed 100% of the 10% of the Bible that I know, I'd be a better person. I know a lot of Bible, y'all. There's many of you who know a lot of Bible and even more than I do. But knowing is easier than obeying, isn't it? Knowing is way easier than obeying. Paul is calling us to to realize that we have been given truth that we've been called to live up to, and that's what maturity really means, verse 15. Maturity isn't knowing a lot of information. Maturity isn't knowing a lot of big words. Maturity is living up to the truth that you have obtained. So biblically, maturity looks like responsibility and intimacy, drawing close to the Lord 
and walking away bearing the image of what you've seen, taking responsibility for the truth that we have known, which is actually good news because we don't need to be experts. We don't need to be experts. All we need to do is read the Bible, hear from the Lord, and do what he says. Despite what our past is telling us, despite what our fears are telling us, read the Bible, hear from the Lord, and do what he says, trusting that he is good and that he is with us. Living backwards is the first barrier to living life forwards. That's only the first barrier. There's another barrier that we're going to see in verses 18 through 19. Just read these two verses with me really quickly. It says, for I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross. Listen to that language, enemies of the cross. Can we agree that that's a bad thing? That's a bad thing. For their end is destruction. Is that a bad thing? That's a bad thing. Their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. The second barrier to living forward in life is not just living backwards, but living inwards. Living inwards. Here's why I struggled with this passage. Verses 18 and 19 seem to be a little exaggerating. Did y'all catch it? They're enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. Think about their God is their stomach. How many of us go to work because we have to eat? Like if you were independently wealthy, would you stay at your job? <laughs> well, real quick, no. <laughs> Real quick, no. <laughs> Amen? So it didn't say their God is their comfort. It didn't say their God is their pleasure. It said their God is their stomach, something that they need to survive. It didn't say they were pursuing sinful things. It said they were pursuing earthly things. Here's the second great enemy to living forward in Christ Jesus. It's living an earthly life, living an inward life life, focusing on what you need and what you want, focusing on the things that we see in this life as the primary goals of our lives. And this is something that's so easy to do because God seems so distant and our boss seems so real. God seems so distant and that promotion seems so real. God seems so distant, but that light bill seems so real. It's so easy to get caught up living lives only on this plane, only living by what we can see. And that's that what makes you an enemy of the cross, the Bible says. I didn't say that. The Bible said those focused on earthly things, their end is destruction. So how do we live forward in Christ Jesus? We can't live inward lives. We can't live inward lives. Let me give you a really good example here, a really practical example. How many people said, don't raise your hand, how many people said, how many of you said, man, if I get more time, then I'll do X? When I get more money, then I'll give X. When I just, I just get over this last little thing I have to do, and then I'll do X. The reality is, does that work out sometimes? But remember, those who are in Christ Jesus, we live in an upside-down kingdom where the way to live is through the cross. The way to take up our lives is to lay it down. The way to receive is to give. And so, if we follow the world's economy that we need to hoard all this stuff to ourselves so that we're safe, we actually make ourselves enemy of God's working in our lives. What's the, what's the, what does the Bible say is the way to receive? The Bible doesn't say receiving is bad, but how do you receive in God's economy? That's a real question. How do you receive? By giving. 
How do you get your life back? By laying it down, by giving it away. That's not what the world says, does it? It says, man, you got to make sure you got the three, six months saved up. You got to make sure four wing K is right. You got to make sure all the bills are paid. You got to make sure that vacation is, is, is on lock. And then if you got anything left over, then you can be generous. You know them kids, man, they got to be in 17 sports year round. Or, you know, or you're not a good parent. If your kids don't rule your life, man, you're, you're not doing a good job. We don't have time to go to church today. We don't have time to train our children on the importance of the community of God. We just want to wait 10 years and they leave the church and we wonder what happened. Because their whole lives we've been training that it's secondary. It's, it's a nice to have. It's an accessory to life rather than something that's at the center of the Christian faith itself. And so we're living inward thinking that we're doing the right thing, but we're actually our end is destruction. You see, taking care of our kingdom tells God, keep his hands off. When you say, I got it, God says, okay. Think how scary that is. Your life is up to you. Is anybody comforted by that fact? No. But we live that way, don't we? We live that way, don't we? I'm not, I'm not talking about recklessness. I'm talking about living a life of faithfulness, living a life that you've ordered your life in such a way that God's economy is the economy of your family. Talking about marriage, God in Ephesians 5 tells husbands that no one one treats a husband, no no husband treats their body poorly, but loves their body. And so in such that same way, love your wife. The Bible doesn't say taking care of yourself is a bad thing. Bob says, if you really want to take care of yourself, love sacrificially in a way that might hurt you. The Bible doesn't say there's something bad about wanting to be first. But if you want to be first, how do you do that? You make yourself servant of all by being last. You want to get ahead in life? Great. But here's God's method for getting ahead in life. Be last. You want to have more room and provision? You want to have more resources for your family? God says, great. How do you get that? By being generous. You want to have more time? Then how do you get that? You invest more time. You see, we live in an upside-down kingdom. We came <laughs> to the cross, not to a king seated on the throne first. He will be, and he is a king seated on the throne. Amen? He came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. Make no mistake. But he came as a lamb so that we would, sh- we would know the way to follow him. It's to take up our crosses and follow him to die daily to ourselves so that we can find life in him. That's what Paul is talking about. Their end is destruction. Their God is the stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. What's your focus right now? Think about the resolutions that you've kind of started. Think about your goals for next year. I'm not saying earthly things are bad, but is that the focus? Is just get out of debt? pay this off, get in shape, maybe not get in shape, Um, right? Those are all good things, but is that the only thing that you're looking forward to in 2020? It's earthly things. So those are the barriers to living a life forward in Jesus, is living backwards, rehearsing our failures, rehearsing our shames, rehearsing all the times we tried and made a mistake. Rehearsing the life before Jesus Christ in our minds, 
and living inwards, telling God, keep his hands off of our stuff. Not with our mouths, because we're good Christian folks, but the way we order our lives. But Paul gives us an antidote and a remedy to this. Read with me verses 20, starting at verses 20 in chapter 3. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. That was a lot of words. Did y'all catch it? But our citizenship is where? And what are we eagerly awaiting? A Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. One day God is coming back for his people, amen? And in, when, on that day, we will get new bodies, glorified bodies, free from shame, worry, sickness, addiction, and guilt. We will be free to live and worship him because we will be like him. So praise God, Pastor. What do I do between now and the day I die? Because <laughs> the verse says, when, it, when I die, things are going to be okay. When Jesus comes back, things are going to be okay. But SCNG, that bill is due on the 12th. Amen? <laughs> How do I live my life in light of this truth? And here's why. You see the contrast that he, Paul is making? They are focused on earthly things, verse 19, but our citizenship is in heaven. You see, that future glory isn't something that we just wait on one day. That future glory is what we live in the power of every single day. Let me make it real simple for you. The same power that is going to raise you from the dead and seat you in the heavenly places with Christ can wake you up in the morning to read your Bible. That same power, you already got it. That same power that saved you from your sin can change your mindset toward your spouse and your family. That same power that is going to give you a new body can give you a new attitude toward your boss at work. Oh, I don't want to talk about real stuff. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about real stuff. The same power that's going to do all these great and glorious things isn't something that we are waiting on. It is here. If you are a Christian, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that same Holy Spirit who's going to glorify your body, pull you out of the grave, and seat you in heaven, that power is available to you right now to live free from addiction, to live free from worry, to live free from the cycles that we've inherited even from our own families, to live free from a, escaping the trap of comfort. That same power is available to us today. Do you live like that is so? Do I live like that is so, if I'm honest? There is a sense in which sometimes we, we neglect the power of God that is available to us today, right? For most of us, we grew up not really even hearing anything about the Holy Spirit and its work. Anybody can agree to that, right? There was salvation, and there was heaven, and there was try to get it right in between. That's not the gospel, y'all. The good news is the power of Christ that saves you is the power of Christ that sustains you on Tuesday afternoon when you've had enough. The power of Christ that sustains me after a long day, I walk into two children who don't care that I had a long day. They want their dad to be present. 
and to a wife who hasn't talked to an adult all day long and wants to have a conversation about pillows and Pinterest. <laughs> I'm just being honest, y'all. <laughs> Wife's crafty. She loves making stuff. She does a good job. But after battling with counseling after day after day, wrestling with the text for a, a sermon, hearing both good news and bad news, deaths and weddings, and come home, I need power, y'all. I don't have the strength to be a good husband at the end of the day. I don't have the strength to be a good father at the end of the day. And in that moment, I don't just throw my hands up and say, well, I'm going to suck today, but one day I'll be resurrected. No. I say, God, the same power that's going to raise me to new life, God, give me strength right now to be a good father and husband. Give me strength to love my wife as she ought to be loved. Give me strength to engage my children. Give me strength to be a good witness on my job, even though I don't care about none of these people. This is what the Christian life looks like, y'all. It's not just dreaming about being one day taken out of here. We're not escapists, right? We are kingdom people. We are sent here on a mission, and that mission is probably not going to be you standing up on stage. That mission is you living like Jesus in hard places and hard circumstances when you've got no energy left. And so that's why my goal is singular today, that I want us to be spiritually ambitious people. Not because we're great at it, not because we've succeeded before, but because God is faithful. Would you set a spiritually ambitious goal for 2020? Here's what I mean by, by ambitious. Think about something that would be ambitious, and then take one more step. Take one more step. Let me give you an example. I'm putting myself out there, y'all. We're not going to put this on the podcast just in case I don't do it. Um, I don't want the whole internet. So one of my goals for, for 2020 is to read the entire Bible every single month for the entire year. It takes about 70 hours to read the whole Bible at 100 words per minute, which is normal talking speed. It's about two and a half hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know where I'm going to get two and a half hours a day. I feel like I don't got enough time now to do the stuff I'm supposed to do. But it's not me who's going to do this, is it? It's not my discipline that's going to see this through, is it? It's not my willpower that's going to sustain this, is it? So if I believe, if my, my faith tells me that God took nothing, created the heavens and the earth by the power of his spirit, that same spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same spirit now lives in me, what should I set my sights on? Have I got access to that power? Another one of my goals is to pray for every single member of the church every single day in 2020. Right now, I pray for about half the church. Um, one day a week, me and Jake kind of split it up. Um, but one of my goals in 2020 is to pray by name for every single member every single day in 2020. I don't know where I'm going to have time to do that either, because y'all got some needs, you understand? <laughs> y'all got some problems going on in your life, you know? I don't know where, it, it takes, it takes for right now, I pray for about, you know, 30 to 40 people. Um, it takes me about 45 minutes to an hour to make it through the membership list. That's half the list. Now, we're adding another two hours to my day. So two and a half hours a day of reading the Bible, another two hours of praying for every single member by name. Where am I going to get four hours a day? I don't know. I may have to, might have to not miss that show. Right? When you ask me, did I see the season finale of Mandalorian? I might have to tell you no. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. 
You know, I might not be able to catch the game live. I might not be able to just take that 45 minutes when I come home and just stare at the ceiling. Y'all don't do that? That's just me? Y'all, y'all ain't really trying to get preached to today. That's all right, though. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't really trying to be honest today. Y'all just want to put on a show, talk about Jesus, go home. No, we're going to talk about real life. Thank you. Thank you. Right? I may have to find my, my strength now, not in escaping from my family, but praying to the Lord as I serve my family. <laughs> Come on, y'all. This is, not, this is not real life. I just need to get away. You know, take that long bathroom break. You know, you, you don't be bathroom for a long time when you take your phone. <laughs> you walk in, and he's like, hey, I got the kids. You know, can you change the diaper? I was like, oh, I'm just use the bathroom real quick. And just hope I take long enough where she changes the diaper before I get out. I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, y'all. y'all. Y'all might have it together more than me. But maybe in that moment when she asked that question, I need to just take five seconds and say, Lord, give me, give me strength to love and serve right now and engage and not escape. Because that's what it means to live forward by the power of the Spirit is realizing that I don't have the strength, but that's okay. I don't need to. I've got the Holy Spirit working inside of me. And if you are a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit working inside of you. Let me say this, and then I'll close. If you're an unbeliever today, maybe you've heard that Christianity is about doing the right thing all the time. Hopefully, this sermon has dispelled that belief. It's clearly not doing the right thing all the time. What it is, is allowing Jesus to invade your life, to take it over, and to live in submission to him, knowing that you're going to do it imperfectly every single day. So if you thought your whole life that Christians were the people who had it all together, never messed up, did everything right, never had any fun, if that's what your vision of Christianity was, that's not it. And what we're going to invite you to today is not to be perfect, but to submit yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit in the person of Christ. That's what being a Christian is, y'all. It's every single day saying, okay, Lord, today, today I'm, I'm relying on your power, your strength. Today, I'm going to live life forward, not in the rearview mirror, not inward, just focus on my four no more, but I'm going to live forward in a spiritually ambitious way because I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've got that power, that access to live righteously available to me every moment of every day. And I've got a perfect high priest and an advocate. So when I mess up, when I fall short, when I fail again, I've got a high priest that just wants me to come back home. Don't hide from church. Don't stop praying when you mess up. If you get off your reading plan, don't stop reading. Just pick up. Don't feel shame. Just pick up where you left off. I'm going to be honest with you. I may not read the Bible 12 times in 2020, but I'll read it more than I would have. I set that goal. I may not pray for every single member every single day, but I pray for you all more than I would have. And by God's grace, maybe I do. It won't be a, a celebration of Philip at the end of the year. It'll be a celebration of God's goodness and God's grace if any of that happens. Would you set a goal this year that's looking forward? And for some of us, maybe we've got to reassess the way we've been loving our wives, the way that we've been leading our families, the way we've been ordering our finances. We've got to take a reassessment and say, am I living forward or am I, am I running away from something? Is my life ordered this way because I made myself a promise when I was a child that I would never be like that, that I would never do that? Or am I living a life that is looking forward to what Jesus has called me to do and who he's called me to be? Trusting in his power and his spirit to make it happen.
That's why the church exists, y'all. One of the reasons why the church exists is that we can do that together. And honestly, that's why I shared some of my goals this year. Because now, now I got a whole church holding me accountable. <laughs> Going to ask me in June, hey, man, you read the Bible? That's why verse 4, chapter 4, Now I'll end with this. Chapter 4, verse 1. So then, after Paul says all of this, so then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friend. Do you hear the relational language right there? Brothers and sisters, beloved crown. We do this together, y'all. That's how we stand firm. Because we do it together as a people. Something we say and try to live out here often at Radiant Church is that we're not like a family. We, we are a family. We're trying to live up to that. We're not there yet, but we're trying to live up to that. One of the ways that we can be family to one another is by doing this together. So as you pray about God, I want to be more spiritually ambitious for my 2020. I want to dig deeper into the things of you this year. As you think about those things that God may be calling you to do in the new year, would you text somebody, call somebody, get coffee with somebody and say, hey, man, here's my thing. Would you just ask me about it every once in a while? Would you just pray for me as you think about it? Because by our own, we can't do this. And we have God's spirit, but God's spirit also gives us God's people. And we have access to God's people and God's power and God's word to help sustain us as we take steps of faith forward. Can we do that together as a church? Amen. Let me pray for us.